you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Hebrews because we're going to be looking at the book of Hebrews pretty significantly here this morning. And I want to begin by just kind of summarizing what we've been doing this very short Christmas series. We've been talking about the roles of Jesus as he continues into eternity. What is it that he continues to do? What is it that he is accomplishing? How is he working in our world and in our lives? We saw a few weeks ago, we talked about that he continues in the office of king. Jesus is our king, and he leads us according to the will of God. He leads us, and we are to submit our lives fully to him. Friends, if he indeed is king, then he deserves our obedience. He deserves that we would lay our lives before him and say, Jesus, have your way with us. We just want to live our life for you. We saw last Sunday that he continues in the office of prophet. Well, what does that mean? Well, what we saw was that God speaks his word to Jesus, and through the Holy Spirit, that word is communicated to you and me. The scriptures say that we don't need any other to teach us, for we have the Spirit of God to proclaim all things. And the Holy Spirit is to remind us of all things that Jesus has said. And so we continue in this relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, where through Jesus, God proclaims his continuing word to us. As we look at scripture today, you might find that your heart is just struck by something I don't even talk about. That is the work of Jesus in your life, reminding you of the words of God through the presence of the Holy Spirit. This morning, we're going to see that Jesus is our priest. He's our great high priest. And at the end, we're going to celebrate communion together. And it's my prayer that it will be in a deeper and more profound understanding of this ministry that Jesus continues today. You see, Jesus continues in these three roles, or what are called these three offices. He continues to be our king. He continues to be our great prophet. He continues to be our great priest. And so it's not that Jesus is at a distance. He isn't. He continues to work in the hearts and minds and lives of everybody who makes room for him. Now, interestingly, these were the three major offices of Israel in the Old Testament. Jesus has fulfilled each and every one. We see that there were groups, there were many kings, there were many prophets, there were groups of priests, but they were all pointing to Jesus who fulfilled that role and fulfills that role. For an eternity. And friends, that should be great news for us as we enter this year 2022. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to the book of Hebrews. And we're going to be, first of all, we're going to define what a priest is. And you'll see this on the screen here. As we look at the Old Testament, and we see the continued work of Jesus today and tomorrow and forevermore. A priest is a person appointed by God in the Old Testament to offer sacrifices, prayers, and praises to God on behalf of the people. 
So it was the role of the priest to teach the people the word of God, to offer sacrifices on behalf of God, and to offer prayers on behalf of the people. Now listen to what it says. This office, this role, was fulfilled by Christ, who has become our great high priest. Have you ever thought about him in that, in that way before? He is your great high priest. He is my great high priest, if you believe in him. And this morning, we're going to talk about what that means. We're going to talk about what it is that he has done for us and what he continues to do for us even today. And so here's the first thing that I want you to see. He is a priest who offers a perfect sacrifice for our sin. He is our priest who offers a perfect sacrifice for our sin. Now in the Old Testament, the people were offering sacrifices continually. Now there was one special day that was set apart. It was called the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement, the chief priest would come and offer sacrifices, a special sacrifice on behalf of all the people. But even with that, there were sacrifices offered day after day after day. Birds and bulls and sheep and goats and rams that were sacrificed day after day. Why? Well, God instituted this so that we had a way to atone for our sins. We had a way to atone for our rebellion against God. And yes, God desired that, but even more importantly, friends, we need that. We are sinful people, and when we recognize that we have sinned against God, we want a way to make that relationship right again. We want to make a way to come clean. And so this was the way that the people did it. But listen to what we read in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. It says, the law is a shadow of the good things that are coming. Now, what is a shadow? You know what a shadow is. I have a shadow right there. Now, if you saw my shadow, you would have kind of a sense of who I am, but you wouldn't really know what I look like. You would just see the shadow. You wouldn't be able to pick me out of a lineup, not that you would ever need to, but you wouldn't be able to pick me out of a lineup because you wouldn't have enough detail. You wouldn't have enough insight. You wouldn't have a clear enough picture to be able to do that. So here's what the author of Hebrews is saying. The law of God, which includes the sacrifices, is just a shadow. It's just a shadow of the good things that are coming. Now, he's talking about this post-life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. So he's saying good things are coming and continue to come to us. Because Jesus continues to rule as king, as prophet, as priest. He goes on and he says this, These, the law is not the reality itself. Jesus is the reality himself. All that we saw in the Old Testament points to Jesus that we would recognize him when he came. But only when Jesus came was all of it fulfilled, was all of it, did all of it become a reality for us. Listen to what he says. For this reason, 
It can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to him in worship. What does he mean by that? Well, I offer an animal sacrifice. It cannot accomplish. That animal sacrifice cannot accomplish God's purpose, his desire that he would be our God and we would be his people. That we would be able to draw near to God and have a relationship with God. So that we know the presence of God in our lives. We can commune with him. We can have fellowship with him. We can encounter him in our lives. These animal sacrifices could not accomplish that. Why is that? Because these animals were atoning for our sacrifice and they are unlike us. Unlike us, these animals weren't rebelling against God. We rebelled against God. They are not human. They are animals. And so a more perfect sacrifice was needed. A human being needed to sacrifice to accomplish what God desired from the very beginning of creation. That we would know him, that he would know us, that we would walk with him in our lives. That we would open our hearts and our lives to him. That we would fellowship with him. That he would fellowship with us. That we would commune with him. And that he would commune with us. We read on. In the same point, I want you to see a couple of things. We read in Hebrews 3 and 4. But these sacrifices are an annual reminder of sin. So, on the Day of Atonement, year after year, they're offering these sacrifices. Why? Because they're a reminder to us of our need for salvation. They're a reminder to us of the seriousness of our sins. Now, friends, chances are none of us have ever sacrificed something but to stand there and to watch the life, blood drip out of this animal because of what I have done, it reminded people of how serious God takes our sin. We read on, and it says, It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It was a shadow of what God was going to do through Jesus Christ. You see, it wasn't these animals that could take away our sin, but by faith the people would offer the sacrifices and trusting in the word of God. What were they doing? Ultimately, hear this, ultimately they were trusting in the coming Messiah. The animals were a shadow of what God was going to do. And their faith in what God had called them to do when they did it by faith, not just, not just because they out of habit or whatever, but their hearts were engaged in awareness of the reality of their sin. Their faith, their faith was ultimately in Jesus Christ. These animals could not atone for their sins. We read on and we see that Je- Jesus actually, as our high priest, represents us to God. I love this. Listen to what we read here. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary, a temple, a tabernacle made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. Rather, listen to this, he entered heaven itself now to appear to us in God's presence. 
He is appearing for us in God's presence. This is a powerful image. God is, Jesus Christ is appearing before God for us in heaven. So what does that mean? I have a friend uh, named John Byron, and John is a a very accomplished uh, musician and writes a lot of great songs of faith. And John, I remember, wrote a song that was always, always really struck me. And the image of the song is that of a courtroom. And he talks about sitting, sitting in the seat of the defendant. Satan comes up as the prosecutor, and he just, he says to the judge and to the court, he reminds everybody of the sins of John Byron, my friend. Your sins, my sins. But then... He's sitting next to Jesus, the defense attorney, and Jesus stands and he offers his hands, his nail-pierced hands. He offers the exhibit of his nail-pierced feet. And he says, this child is mine. He is forgiven by faith in the sacrifice that I have made for him. I love that image. You know, Jesus continually represents me before God. He continually represents you before God. He is the great high priest. We read on and we see that the sacrifice of Jesus is effective to deal with the problem of my sin. The animal sacrifices were ineffective. They could not atone for our sins. The sacrifice of Jesus is the only sacrifice that can atone for our sins. Why? Because he's the only one who lived the perfect life, as we saw a few weeks ago, that you and I could never live. He was, as we saw on Christmas Eve, the second Adam, the new Adam, who reversed the choices that the first Adam had made. And so we read this. We read these words. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared, he has appeared once and for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Friends, in a few moments, we're going to receive communion together. It's the invitation that through the great high priest Jesus, we are communing with him through this table. Because of the sacrifice that he made for you and for me. That sacrifice is once and for all. We don't need any more sacrifices. He paid the price once and for all. That sacrifice is effective to deal with the problem of our sin. And we read on and we see this. Jesus as priest is the only sacrifice needed for our sins. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Jesus came once to deal with the issue of our sin, and he has dealt with it. Friends, Jesus didn't die for some of your sin. He didn't die for most of your sin. He died for all of your sin. I can't tell you how many times I've sat with a Christian who has said to me, Pastor, I have done something wrong, and I don't know if God could forgive me. And I say, really? 
I said, do you believe that the death of Je that Jesus died on the cross for you? Yes, pastor, I believe that. I've believed it since I was a child. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Yes, pastor, I believe that. But you're telling me then that Jesus didn't die for this sin? See, we have a tendency to rate sins as really bad and not so bad. They're all on the same level. They're rebellion against God. They're rebellion against God. And so what we see is that Jesus died, not for some of my sin, not for most of my sin. He died for every sin I have ever committed and every, ever will commit. Even the ones that the world looks at and says is really, really bad. Jeffrey Dahmer was a man uh, that some of you know the name, some of you don't know the name, but he, was, uh, he had killed uh, many people in the uh, North, I think it was in Wisconsin, in the, in, the, in the upper Midwest. And he was gruesome. The things that he did were just unbelievably horrible. He was finally caught, put into prison. While he was in prison, he got involved with prison fellowship ministries. Jeffrey Dahmer made a commitment to Jesus Christ. He was later interviewed, and in that interview, he talked about his faith and how amazing it was that with all the things that he had done, that he was going to heaven. Well, that hit the fan. People are saying, no, 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 not with what you've done. You could never go to heaven. Not with what you have done. And I remember, I remember, even some pastors were saying that, and I remember that the president of Prison Fellowship Ministries came out and he said this. Hear these words. If God cannot save Jeffrey Dahmer, he can't save you and he can't save me. Friends, when we take the cup this morning, you need to know that the blood of Christ has forgiven you of all of your sins. You are forgiven completely in Jesus Christ. Yes, we have sinned. Yes, we have rebelled. And culturally speaking, some worse than others from the perspective of the values of our culture. But here's the reality. By faith in Jesus, you are forgiven. Jesus Christ paid the price there is no price you could ever pay. And some of you might find that you are trying to earn God's favor. You are trying to earn God's acceptance. You are trying to earn God's forgiveness. No. You receive God's forgiveness. You receive God's grace. You receive God's mercy. And by his mercy, you're empowered to live a life of faith out of gratitude and thanksgiving. Not to earn his love. He already loves you as much as he ever could. That's what it says in Ephesians 1. That is the truth of the reality of what God tells us in his word. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Jesus, as our priest, continually draws us near to God. I love this. He draws me near to God. He brings me into the presence of God so that I can... I can commune with the living God in my life now. You don't have to die before you can experience the presence of God. We see here that God brings us, because Jesus is our great high priest, through Jesus we are brought into the presence of the living God. Friends, that should change your life. 
That should change your reality. That should change everything for you. Uh, Hebrews 10 talks a lot about it, but I want to read this passage in Hebrews 6. Listen to what it says. Now, he's been talking about the good news of Jesus. He's been talking about the gospel. And what he talks about here is he comes to the end of this, talking about what Jesus has done, and I've just talked about it with you. Listen to what he says. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Okay? It's impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to take hold of the hope, to take hold of the gospel, to take hold of Jesus, set before us may be greatly encouraged. Do you need encouragement today? Do you need encouragement? Boy, we do, don't we? Listen to what it says. We have this hope, the good news of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, keeping us firm and secure. What does an anchor do? Well, an anchor holds the boat, doesn't it? When the wind blows and the, and the swells are high, what does an anchor do? It keeps the boat from moving. As you face storms in your life, and you will in 2022, just as we have in, in every year of our lives, as you face these storms, it is the reality of who Jesus Christ is, the good news of Jesus, that will be your hope if you allow it to be your hope. And that hope will keep you firm and secure no matter what storms batter your life in 2022. That is the truth. Because God, by what he's done for us in Christ, Jesus ushers us into the presence of the living God. Listen to what we read. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. This is called the Holy of Holies, the most holy place in all of the world. It was in the center of the temple. They believed that that's where God was fully present. And in the temple, there was right there in this Holy of Holies, when they had the Ark of the Covenant, that's where the Ark of the Covenant was. Listen to what it says. It enters, this hope enters Speaking of Jesus, the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. So Jesus, remember I said about the chief priest would go into this inner room one time a year on the day of atonement and offer sacrifices for us. Out of fear that he might be consumed, they would, the history says that they would tie a rope around his ankle and pull him back out if he was killed by the presence and the holiness of God. Now hear this, it says in the book of Hebrews that we come into the Holy of Holies, which represents the presence of God, through the curtain, that is the body of Jesus, it says. You see, the body of Jesus now becomes the curtain through which we enter the most holy place where God is fully present. Friends, that should change your world. That should change your life. Here's what it means. It means that you can come into the presence of the living God and commune with Him anytime you're willing to open your heart and your mind to Him. Let me give you a picture of this. I think it's a great picture. Um, it's, it's a story that I have never been able to confirm historically. 
So keep that in mind. But it's a great illustration of what I'm talking about. During the Civil War, the President of the United States, Abraham Lincoln, was in, uh, in the White House. He was in his, in his um, office and he was working on plans for the upcoming battles with the Secretary of War. Out just across the street, as you, if you've seen pictures of the White House or been there, you know that there are, there's a big park across the street. And a young boy was walking in the park when he saw a soldier that was sitting on a park bench. And the soldier was weeping. And the boy said to him, what's wrong? And the soldier opened up that his brothers and his father were all killed in a recent battle in the Civil War. That his mom was now grieving alone, and there was no one to help her with the farm. He needed to go home and to be with her, but he couldn't unless the President of the United States personally gave him permission. And he said, the boy said, well, what's, why can't you do that? And he said, I can't get anywhere near the president. So the boy said, took the, the soldier's hand, and he said, hey, come with me. And they walked into the grounds of the White House, and everybody seemed to ignore them. They came up to the doors of the White House, and the guards who were standing there just ignored them as they entered the White House itself. They began walking up and down the aisles until... They came to the office of the great president, and, and the boy opened the door. And the guards standing there never said a word. They never tried to stop him. And this boy and the soldier come walking in, and there's a President Abraham Lincoln and the Secretary of War pouring over plans for future battles. The president hears the noise of the door open, and he looks up, and suddenly there's a big grin on his face. And he says to his son, why, Tad, who's your friend that you've brought to meet with me? And Tad tells his dad, the President of the United States, Tad Lincoln tells his father, this is a man who needs your help. And President Lincoln gave him a presidential pardon so that he did not have to serve in the military and he could go back home and grieve with his mother and help to take care of the farm. Friends, I've always loved that story because I take the hand of Jesus and he brings me into, he brings me into the Holy of Holies. It's through his body that I enter into the presence of God. He holds my hand and he invites me and he takes me in that I may know the Father, that I may pray and talk with God himself. I do that every time I pray. I picture myself taking the hand of Jesus as he, the son of God, takes me into the presence of God. You see, because Jesus is the great high priest, I can come into the presence of God. We continue on and we see this third point, which is amazing. Jesus, as our great high priest, continually prays for us. Did you know that? Jesus, as a great high priest, continually prays for us. He knows your name. He knows my name. He knows your needs better than you do. And before God, he lays out our needs and he prays, praises, he prays, praises, 
for us and he prays needs for us. Listen to what it says. Now there has been many of these priests. There have been many priests who have lived since death prevented them from continuing in office. All of them died. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. A permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Now, I want you to, if you have your own Bibles, circle that word, intercede. The Greek word, this Greek word that we translate into the English, intercede, means more than to simply stand as someone else's representative. It's more than that. Listen to what it means. Rather, it's to make specific requests on behalf of someone else. Did you know that? Did you know that Jesus is making requests of God on your behalf? I, I can't tell you how inspiring and encouraging that is for me. Jesus prays for me. Jesus brings my needs to the Father. Now, why is that so significant? He brings my praises to God. Why is that so significant? Because, friends, sometimes I don't pray as I should. Jesus is praying on my behalf. Most of the time, my prayers are very shallow. I think I know what I need. I think I know what somebody else needs. But Jesus, who knows all things, knows what is really needed in any given situation. That's why sometimes God says no to our prayers or not now to our prayers. Because he has something better in mind. Now, we may not understand it on this side of heaven. But one day when we stand with him, he will give us wisdom to understand. Jesus comes and he prays for me. He prays for my faith. At times I grow weary. At times I grow discouraged. At times I just don't want to do it anymore. Jesus prays for my endurance. He prays for my wisdom. He prays for my understanding. He prays for the capacity to love that goes beyond my ability and natural ability to love. He does that for me. And if you know him, if you know him, he does that for you. And then, we close with this. He, because of what he has done for us, listen to this, you and I are a priesthood. We're all priests. All who believe in the name of Jesus is a priest. I'll explain what that means in just a moment. It's profound. Jesus is not just. He's our great high priest. And because of what he has done for us, we have been made priests as well. What does that mean? It means that there is no longer a special group of people who are to be priests. We don't need to go through anybody, confess our sins to anybody in order to be forgiven. Now, the Bible does say, confess your sins to one another. There's something powerful that happens in that, and I've talked about that before. But I don't need a priest to take me before God because Jesus Christ is my great high priest already. I speak to him, and he speaks to God on my behalf. And my forgiveness comes through what Jesus Christ has done for me. So I can come to Christ and I can confess my sins. Me and you. 
I don't need another person, although that could be extremely powerful and helpful. But to be forgiven, I don't need to go through any intermediary because Jesus is the only one, the only mediator between me and God. That's amazing. You don't even need me. Why did you hire me? Also goes on to say, I know some of you are wondering the same thing. He also goes on to say, he also goes on to say this. That because each is a priest, and I, I can't, un, we don't have time for me to unpack this this morning, but Jeremiah talks about it in Jeremiah 31, 1 John 2 talks about it. But we don't need anybody to teach us. Now, there is the role of teachers today. But as we deepen in Christ and through the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God teaches us all things as we commune with Jesus. Whenever I read this precious book, I say, Jesus, talk to me. You're my prophet. You're my priest. You're my king. Speak to me. Help me to see what I need to see. Unlock my heart. Unlock my mind to the great treasures that are mine in Christ. To the things that you want me to do and the things you want me to be. Friends, if you don't believe in a God who is accessible, then you don't believe in the New Testament. If you don't believe in a God who longs that you would come before him, then you don't believe in the New Testament because that's what it teaches. And that's powerful. Jesus is the great high priest. He's the one who takes unfaithful people like you and me. He's the one who invites us to come to his table to receive the Lord's Supper, to commune with Jesus who is present through the Holy Spirit to each and every one of us. And this is a sacrament of the church. Jesus is profoundly present in ways that we cannot understand through the table that he has invited us to come and to eat from. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word that Wow, I just, it was such, so powerful for me this week to be reminded of these, of these truths. God, I thank you for it. And I pray particularly for any here this morning who do not understand that you are the one. You are the one who ushers us into the presence of God. That you are the one whose sacrifice covers all of our sin. That you are the one who invites us through all that you have done to come into the presence of the living God. Lord, speak to your people. Minister to your people. In Jesus' name, amen.